Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, how many of you uh, have your Bibles, iPad, iPhone, whatever you get your scripture on? Lift it up for me. Let me see where we are. All right, great. Open those to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, you would recognize, perhaps, that that is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus teaching uh, what I would call the foundational principles of his kingdom. It's not a synopsis of all the teachings of Jesus. There's not any mention in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount on, about regeneration, uh, by the vicarious death of Christ, uh, redemption, uh, any of these things, uh, that they come later. So this, this is not a synopsis of the teachings of Christ, but it's just Jesus sitting down and just kind of sharing, uh, sharing his heart. He's just talking. It's common language. He uses it, simple illustrations. Everybody could understand, nothing difficult about it at all. Uh, and he, in these pas- this passage from 19, verse 19 to 34, now we're not going to read those at this time, but we will read them as we go through the message this morning, as we talk about how do you establish your priority. And now in this passage, he's going to talk about possessions. He's going to talk about uh, how we understand knowledge. He's going to talk about who controls our life. He's going to talk about uh, uh, worry. Now, we all fit in there. And then the future. These are things he talks about in this passage. But the key point in the passage is verse 33, where he said very simply, Seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to you. He's talking about your priority. Now, I I want to establish what I am... uh, going to do today at the very first. I'm going to suggest to you that you can only have one priority. Priority senior. Now, I know that's hard. In fact, I'm I'm not going to watch the screen today because when I set my outline for them to put on PowerPoint, I had point one, I had priority, and I had point two, and I had priorities, plural. We're just used to talking like that, aren't we? we? We do understand that uh, there, there are many things that are important in our lives. And so we like to say we rank them in, in importance, and these are our priorities. But I want to suggest to you that what Jesus requires of us, what he calls us to do, is to be totally absorbed in him. Being a Christian is not a way of doing certain things. It's a certain way of doing everything. And so you focus on Jesus Christ. Uh, That's what he wants us to do, focus on him. Now, the dictionary defines priority in two ways. First of all, it it speaks, it says a priority is something that is first in time. First in time. In other words, it's the earliest thing, first thing that happened, like first thing in the morning. But the other definition is that it's the first in importance, the highest in importance, and, and that's what our relationship with Christ is. But Jesus doesn't just want to be something in your life. He wants to be everything in your life. And uh, you, so he's calling us to establish our priority. Now, in this life, you're going to see what you're looking for. Now, we could take time to talk about that, but 
it, it, whatever you're looking for, you, you're going to find that. If you're looking for something to be critical about in church, you're going to find it. The uh, reason is we're in it. My dad used to say, if you're looking for a per, uh, perfect church, don't join this one. It's not perfect. And by the way, he said, don't join it because if you did, it wouldn't, wouldn't be perfect anymore. We're, we're all imperfect. And well, you're going to see what you're looking for in life. Now, let me, let me illustrate that. Years ago, Caroline and I lived in Kansas City. And uh, it was back in the days where Kansas City had one airport, the municipal airport. Some of you old-timers like me maybe can remember when you... It was right on the Missouri River. You'd come in. If you landed to the north, you'd come in between the office buildings, wave at the secretaries, and then you'd land crossing the river there at the, at the uh, uh, runways for the airport. It's pretty pretty dangerous in good weather. And this day was uh, not good weather. I was going to fly to St. Louis, and uh, it had a 10.30 flight that morning to go over to St. Louis, and the, uh, I called the airport about, oh, about 8.30 and talked to a lady for TWA was the airline at that time, and, and uh, I said, what about flight 513 to St. Louis? And she said, let me check. She came back, she said, that flight's delayed. I said, okay. I lived out south of Kansas City and took about 25 minutes to get to the airport, 30 minutes, something like that. And, and so I said, well, i got things to do. I'll call back in a little bit. So about 10 o'clock, I called back and got a man this time. And I said, what about flight 513 to Kansas City? He said, let me check. He came back on. He said, it's leaving on time. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, it's leaving on time. I said, well, I talked to Ms. whatever her name was. I remembered it and talked Mr. Name. He said, well, I'm sorry, she's mistaken. It's leaving on time. I said, look, I'm, I'm nearly 30 minutes away from the airport. I'm coming as quick as I can. Tell them I'm coming. <laughs> and so my music director got, got, it, got his car, and I jumped in it. We, we uh, slipped and slid all, all over the, the road getting there. Got there just a little before 1030. I ran in and said, where's flight 530? He said, down there to gate 7. I ran to gate 7. There was nobody there. Now, this was an old airport, and it didn't have the uh, kind of things you have in modern airports, but it had a, a few seats there, and there was a sign. Sure enough, it said Flight 513 St. Louis. They, they had cafe doors that had little rubber bumpers that would seal when, you, when they closed uh, hung straight. And so I, I rushed out those doors onto the tarmac, and there was no airplane. Well, I looked down here, and there was an airplane down here, and this guy came back, had these big earmuffs on and I said, where is flight 513 for St. Louis? He said, it's right there. I want you to see what I saw. <laughs> flight 513, St. Louis, packed with people. Now, you have to understand that those doors I had come out were within about six feet of that bus. Now, I don't know whether it bothered you or not, but it bothered me why I didn't see the bus. Now, all the way to St. Louis, I'm thinking, how come I couldn't see a 50-foot bus loaded with people with a sign on it saying, Flight 513 to St. Louis? Then it dawned on me. I wasn't looking for a bus. I was looking for a plane. And, and oh, by the way, the reason they bust us was because they were building the Mid-Continental Airport out north of Kansas City, and they had runways out there but didn't have any terminal. So they bust us out there, and we got on the plane and flew 
to St. Louis. But I learned a lesson that day. You're going to see in life what you're looking for, and you're not going to see some things if you're looking for something else. And so what Jesus is saying is, I want you always to be looking for me. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be taken care of. Now, we don't think that way. It's just not in our psyche to do that. Uh, let, me, let me just illustrate that. Let's suppose that uh, our love that we have and our ability to focus is about, it's about five gallons. Now, let, let's think of all the things we've got to be loving, caring for. Uh, first, God, of course. How much of that five gallon am I going to give God? Well, 51% maybe? said, first, okay, he's up about here. All right, now, what about my wife? I got 49% left. How much am I going to give her? Oh, and my kids? Mm, they got to be in there. My church? My job? Oh, my. How am I going to divide that five gallons? Well, here's what God says. Seek first the kingdom of God. Give, give me all five gallons. Let me show you what happens. When I give all that five gallons to God, he turns it into a 50-gallon drum. Now I don't love my wife with the 25, whatever percent I would give her of that five-gallon bucket. I can love her 50 gallons worth. Do you see what I'm saying? Is if, you, if Christ said, if Jesus put it this way, I've come not only just for you to have life, but for you to have it abundantly. He wants you to have abundant life. He doesn't want you to go through life loving five gallons worth or passion of five gallons worth. He wants you to have abundant life. And that's why he can say to us, and, and, and we ought to understand this, if, if I love him most, and, and this is the pattern of the Scripture the great commandment of the Jews in Deuteronomy 6, 5 was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, give me all your love, all your mind, all your strength, everything. Give it to me. Jesus repeated that in Matthew 22. Uh, he, he repeated, it's the message that runs throughout all of the Scripture. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, if any man wants to come to me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It sounds like he's demanding Full allegiance, doesn't it? John the Baptist said concerning Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Paul in 2 Timothy, when he wrote to young Timothy, he warned him of the danger of divided attention, of entanglements, he called them, in 2 Timothy 2 and 3 and verses 3 and 4. And, and in, to, to the church at Philippi, he says, this one thing I do, I'm doing this one thing, this is what I do. Now, he did a lot of other things, didn't he? But his passion was to seek first the kingdom of God. What I want you to understand is, if you put Christ as the priority of your life, everything else will fall in line. Your family, your work, all the things that you give attention to, and many things are important for you to do, but you'll do it with a 50-gallon drum worth of Energy, passion, love, integrity, rather than a five-gallon. That's the way God does it. That's the way God does it. 
Now, Elton Trueblood made an interesting statement. Elton Trueblood was a Quaker writer, and he made an interesting statement that is, is rather startling to me. He said, the biggest leap in kind is when you move from number one to number two. When you go from singularity to plurality, he says the move from one to two is bigger than the move from two to 10,000. In other words, when you, when you move off of that one passion, the, the move is a dramatic move that affects everything that you are and everything that you do. So he says to us simply, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Now, how do you establish your priority? And he's going to tell us in this passage. Uh, first of all, he says that your choices will reveal your priority. Look at verse 19. Don't collect for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break through and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's saying uh, to us uh, there, he's talking about our treasure. He's talking about our possessions. Then he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. In other words, you, you see because of your eye. Uh, things get, you know, 75% of everything we know is we learn through sight. So the eye is the light of the body. It's how we get information. It's how we understand things. If your eye is generous, if, if it's clear, if it's open, if it's wide, if your eye is generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so if the light within you is darkness, how deep that darkness is, no one can serve or be a slave to two masters, since either he will hate one, love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot be slaves to God, and money is the way he puts it. Now, he gives us three tests here of how you can establish your priority. First of all, uh, he says your choices will reveal your priorities. Now, you have a choice between two treasures. He says, don't lay up treasures on earth. Now, there are all kinds of problems. Uh, you can't moth, rust, corrosion. These things will destroy what you have. Uh, taxes. It's more every year. A lot of things can take away uh, your treasure. And uh, so he says, don't just lay up treasures. Now, he's not forbidding wealth. He's for, he is forbidding the obsession with wealth, the love of wealth. Obviously, the, the, uh, God blesses people, and, but he blesses us so that we can be generous and give and participate in helping others. That's what uh, in Ephesians 4.28, Paul said, the thief needs to stop stealing. Now, why? Uh, well, he needs to stop say, stealing. He needs to do uh, honest work with his own hands so that he will have enough to share with anyone in need. You see, God places the wealth of this world, however large or small that may be, in us, and, and we become stewards of it. And, and we don't own it. Do you know you don't own anything? Oh, you say, preacher, I've got a, a car. I've got a title to the car. I've got a mortgage on the house. Yeah, no, you don't. When you die, who's going to have it? 
You don't really own it. You're just using it for right now. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 12. A rich man said he's going to had so many crops, he's going to build bigger barns and, and going to, uh, uh, to store his crops in. And God said, you're a fool. He said, this night, verse 19 of Luke uh, chapter 12, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will be these things that you have? Who will own these things? Uh, we... We came into the world with nothing, we'll leave with nothing. Uh, and, and listen, you, you cannot find contentment in how many things you have. Someone asked John D. Rockefeller at the time when he was the richest man in America, how much money does it take to satisfy you? His answer was classic. He said, just a little bit more. A little bit more. So you, you never have enough. Always need a little bit more. You, you, it, it's, it's an endless rat race when we focus our lives on the things of this world. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, and he talked about the momentary light afflictions that we face in believing as believers in verse 16 and 17. Verse 18, uh, he says, So we don't look at that which is seen, but that which is unseen. For that which is seen is temporary. What you can't see is eternal. Anything you can see is changing. It's temporary. We're all temporary. Someone said, uh, I talked to a lady just this week who's battling cancer down at MD Anderson Hospital in uh, Houston. And uh, the message was, uh, the disease is terminal. Now listen carefully to me. We're all terminal. Is appointed a man wants to die. In the judgment. Don't get so wrapped up in what you have, what you see, that you lose sight of what really counts. So your treasures, you have a choice between two treasures. You have a choice between two ways of seeing. The eye needs light in order to see clearly. And uh, if, if we don't have good, good light, good quality, then we don't see clearly. Things are distorted. And uh, our minds and our hearts need light. And for us as believers, the light that God gives us is in His Word. That's why the study of the Word of God, a reading of the Word of God, the discipline of a time to be with God is so vitally important to all of us because uh, that's how our minds see things. And if our, if our minds are clouded with so many things, we'll not see clearly. So we have to ask ourselves, what occupies our attention? What do we watch? What do we focus on? Divided attention destroys clear focus. So we have a choice between two ways of seeing things, seen and unseen. We have a choice between two masters. Verse 24 says, uh, no man can be a slave to two masters. You see, in this, he says, you either love one, hate the other, or you, you love God, or, or, or mammon, or, or money, translated in the uh, the Holman Christian Standard Translation is speaking of the material things. You either love material things or you love God. It's the only choice you have. You can't sit on the fence. You can't see I won't decide. If you, if you say that, you just decided. Because Jesus demands to be Lord of all or not Lord at all. That's what he's talking about here. Now, I think it was Wilbur Chapman, a great preacher of a, a hundred years or so ago, but... He said, you know, you can say no, and you can say Lord, but you can't say no, Lord. 
You see, if he's Lord, you can't say no to him. Lord means he's master. Lord means he's in control. And the quickest way to unhappiness in your life is to divide your allegiance in your faith. Divide your allegiance. Keep that five-gallon bucket and try to divide out all the stuff you've got to deal with. But God says, I want you, I want you to seek first. This is your priority. If you live in the light of that priority, God is going to bless. God is going to open up doors. God will enable you to do things you could never do any other way. Your choices reveal your priority. Now, if you make the right choices, then the next thing fits because your anxieties reveal your priority. That's what he tells us here. Uh, in the beginning in verse 26, I believe it is, 25. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food, the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or we reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any one of you add a single cubit to your height by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? Oh, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's a great phrase there, that last Listen to it just a minute. Your heavenly Father knows. Just think about that. Whatever you're facing, whatever your challenge, your heavenly Father knows. He's aware of that. He's aware of that. He knows it. So why worry? Your anxieties reveal your priorities. Now, Jesus came one time in Luke chapter 10 to the home of Martha. Scripture says, he came to Martha's house. And then it says that Martha had a sister named Mary, a brother named Lazarus. And so Jesus comes with his disciples. He knew them. They were dear friends. In fact, the last place he went before his crucifixion was to their house. They were friends. And uh, Jesus is there. And Martha, it says, is her house. So she was responsible. She, had, she was going to cook a meal for him. Mary went in and sat down with the disciples, and Jesus is teaching or whatever he was wanting to discuss with his disciples, and she was taking it all in. Mary was, and Martha, you can just, listen, just imagine, she is fuming. She is, you can hear pots and pans being tossed around. I mean, all kind of noise coming out of the kitchen. Finally, she has had enough, and uh, she comes in about, uh, about verse 40 of Luke chapter 10 and says, Master... My sister needs to be in here helping me with dinner. Tell her to come help me. And I love what verse 41 says. Now listen to it. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you know, poor Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Doesn't that kind of describe some of us today? You are worried and upset about many things. Uh, Jesus is not suggesting that we be indifferent. He always warns us against laziness and, and selfishness, but he's calling us to be passionate, to be focused on him. 
And, and there are four things in here, just I mentioned it. He, anxiety distorts reality. He, he says, life is more than just your physical needs. That's not all you are. You're not defined by what you need. It, it distorts reality if you worry about it. Worry or anxiety devalues the individual. Now, we're better than flowers and birds. He says, God takes care of them. Anxiety is unproductive. He said, which one of you, by thinking or by worrying, can add a cubit to your stature? If I could have done that, I would have been six foot six. I can't do that. You can't do that. It doesn't do any good to worry about it. Uh, Jesus said it's impossible. You see, and the bottom line is that, that worry or anxiety is unproductive, and the worst thing is it's unbelief. He said, oh, ye of little faith. We read that just a moment ago. It's unbelief. Now, what he's wanting us to do is not focus on tomorrow because tomorrow never gets here. Today is the tomorrow we talked about yesterday. But tomorrow never gets here. And so what, in fact, at verse 34, uh, it's a great conclusion. He says, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, you know, Lord's taking care of everything. Uh, but the, the, there's enough evil in tomorrow for you to be concerned about. Don't worry about tomorrow. He's, he's not telling us to forget about ever preparing for the future. He's talking about today is the only time we have. You realize that? Now is the accepted time, and if you ever respond to God in any way, it's going to be in a moment we call now. Now. It won't be last night or tomorrow night. It'll be now. This is the only moment we have. So don't worry about all of these things. Be sure that your focus is on Christ because he, uh, He'll take care of things, and your worry reveals your priority. And so he concludes simply by saying, your ambitions reveal your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. What do you seek? What do you seek? Seek first the kingdom of God. What are your ambitions? What are your goals? You only have two choices, yourself or God. You don't have three, four, five choices. You have two choices. You'll either seek first, your priority is the kingdom of God, or you'll seek yourself and your dreams and your plans, and you're, you're fighting a, a hard battle with a, with a little sword. Uh, you're using a five-gallon bucket when you could be using a 50-gallon drum. What are you ambitious for? What's most important to you? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I, I would ask you this question. Have you established your priority? Well, I know you know a lot about God and church. Or you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some familiarity with these things and some propensity to be involved in these things. But what about day by day? What do you live for? What is your priority? It is out of your priority that you do other important things, significant things. But the best way to do those things is through seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Have you done that? You reveal your priority through your choices, through your anxieties, through your ambitions. Jesus said, 
seek first. Your first priority ought to be to serve me, the kingdom of God, and God's righteousness. And he's not talking about the imputed righteousness of God by which we're saved. When we get saved, God counts us righteous because of the death of Christ. He's talking about righteous life. He's talking about a life that's fulfilled. He's talking about a life that's lived with integrity and with honesty and and a life that's filled with godly character. Seek that first. All these other things will fall into place. Pray with me, would you? Heads bowed just for a moment. Father, I pray that you'll help us to really look into our hearts, into our life, look at the choices we've made, at the anxieties we have, the ambitions that are ours. And Lord, help us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Lord, we trust you that out of that passion, that priority, will flow all the issues of life that we face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.